Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today is the great Tom Rosenthal, a fantastic comedy actor and also one of the finest stand-up comedians of a generation. He is uh, a very special talent. He's on tour now. His new show is called Manhood. It is all about Tom's complicated relationship with the fact that he was circumcised. Now, as with a lot of great comedy shows, there is serious subject matter. Richard Pryor springs to mind. If you've seen the bit where he, shoot, where he shoots his car up, he talks about the stuff that he went through. So Tom was circumcised. This show is about the fact that this is an incident that has traumatised Tom his whole life. And so it's Tom confronting that, talking about circumcision. Now, please know, I've seen this show many times it is hysterically funny lots of jokes lots of funny bits lots of as i say in the podcast lots of classic rosenthal rants um but as i say there is, there is all he's also making a serious point and as he says in this chat maybe just maybe this will all lead to some sort of change you know this is something that tom really feels passionately about which is why the show is so funny because it's coming from his heart and his soul. Tom is really being really revealing and, and candid and, and bearing himself with, with this with this show. So uh, I've hyperlinked uh, how you can buy tickets. Tom is on tour now. The show is called Manhood. Uh, here he is, one of the very best. I love this guy. Tom Rosenthal. What is fascinating is the topic of the, the new tour, Manhood. So I've seen various iterations of this. It, it, I'm not just saying it's because you are my friend. It is fantastic it's original most importantly it's incredibly funny it's got something to say there's some classic uh tom in there as well but there's some classic tom rants uh we i'm in awe of people who can do impressions i cannot but, uh, <laughs> please uh, don't do an impression of me but the, but the sign <laughs> i was thinking that the sign of a great show is like the next day you're trying to do bits to your wife you know what i mean it's that it's that sort of that's very sweet you know you. it's 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 wonderful um this feels like something that you've probably want. Is is this the show that you've wanted to do for a while? But now I guess you've got the the skills in the the toolbox. You were you were ready to do it. Um, I guess that is a nice way to put it. To assume that I have developed uh, the skills <laughs> to any extent. Uh, I guess I do find talking uh, in any context quite tough. Like I find doing. This uh, a little bit of a worry because I don't necessarily feel like I have anything uh, uh, to contribute. I don't feel like I have anything worth listening to. So the fact that anyone would sit down and just listen to me have a conversation with you <laughs> is all baffling to an extent. I do thank you for doing it. Uh, I do hope to deliver some sort of interesting point. But I suppose I, I am uh, wrapped with a sense of why should I uh, be listened to whatsoever. Um, and I think obviously as a comedian, uh, you kind of come up against that uh, constantly. And I do feel like this show um, much better taps into me saying something that is a bit more unique. I think, you know, the classic sort of trope of being like quite a, a 
privileged sort of middle class white man he does feel like we have been heard quite a lot uh recently um and you know i'm very much up for other people than me saying stuff like as i say i don't really feel like i've got much to say but i do feel like the story of someone who's been traumatized by being circumcised as a baby is not one you hear very often and it is actually more common than you'd think and i, I feel like uh i kind of want to use my position as a comedian which is a really nice little uh, niche for talking about this sort of stuff because you can talk about dicks publicly and it's kind of okay for us we're, we're, in, we're one of the very few careers where we can go <laughs> we can talk about dicks everyone's like sat this guy they're like yeah do that more <laughs> so, so and, and I, I feel hr like are fine with it the, the thing with comedy as well is that people people can never deny you your experience right so that's yeah. why i think you know all the great comedians that go to your club they're just saying stuff from their life from their view and it, people can identify with it or they can't they might not necessarily the same things won't have happened to me as have happened to kevin bridges or my shrunken nathan but i can when they give me their view of it it's hilarious right so i feel like you can't yeah. necessarily deny uh the truth of this thing which is a weird taboo thing that people haven't heard of uh often and they haven't really thought of very much and obviously the sort of kernel to good comedy is when people say stuff you haven't necessarily thought of and they say it in kind of a weird way that is surprising um so i do think yeah it's it's my best show uh, in terms of doing something worthwhile. I do think it therefore makes it my, my funniest show, and I'm very proud of it. Um, but I would say, yeah, did I always want to do it? Kind of. I'd have a few pints and talk about how I wanted to talk about this stuff. But actually doing it is obviously it's kind of scary and unpleasant, actually, in, in a different way. Uh, I'd say before I go on every every time, I'm like, I'm going to talk to these people about how I'm upset about being circumcised. It's always a bit like you're worried, um, which I do think is a kernel of like good comedy as well, like being scared and going into a place that um, has some jeopardy for you personally. So when people validate that, uh, it kind of it feels more special. Um, so, yeah, I have always wanted to do it. Uh, but every time I'm about to perform it, I do regret that decision. <laughs> it's like it's scary. You know, Um how did you pluck up the courage then? Because because it's so personal, it's so authentic. I, as I say, I've seen I've seen this uh, across shorter and longer sets. It's so real. It's coming for you know you, you're performing it with every fibre of your being. So you know. So why now? I I, I do feel very um, privileged that I've had uh, a career in like the job that we do. Yeah, uh, I feel like I've got you know very lucky to get a couple of parts in, in in successful shows and i feel like i've got a lot of uh, validation for that um which you know to a part is earned i can sort of act but to a large part is unearned like it's written by other people uh, i haven't really feel like i've exposed myself to the level that i have justified getting the praise back you know i think a lot of people like me more than they necessarily should have because i haven't really taken a risk and I feel like it is easy for people like me. I mean, I was that sort of precocious teenager who had parents who told them he was amazing and everything that he said was great. And I've had a lot of people going, yeah, you're great, you're great. Even all my stand-up was, you know, not great. People go, ha, 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 it's really funny. And now I do feel like it's a, it's a sign of maturity to go, OK, I'm going to do something where actually I'm probably going to get quite a lot of flack. I'm probably going to lose some fans. People are going to think it's very, very weird. But I do feel like there's a slightly higher moral purpose to what I'm doing right now than just showing off and making jokes about being rich, you know. And it is quite earnest, and a lot of my comedian friends say that it's the wrong way to approach a comedy show. Like, I, I, I did want to do a comedy show that had um, information in it that I want people to learn, and it, I, 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 it's, it's, it's odd. I'm sort of... Um, I've been very obsessed with the damage that circumcision does and, and, and being raised in a culture which basically says it's a very normal thing to happen. Um, and I wanted to kind of put those arguments into a comedic frame because if my skill set is anything, it's it's making jokes. So I'm, I'm trying to make information funny. Um, and most comedians would say, I'm going to try and do the funniest show. Uh, and so, like, I guess... I, 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 this is something I care passionately about and I wanted to make a funny comedy show about it. And that's kind of where I am Absolutely. now. Uh, but it's, and it, it comes all from a, from a place of being like, I don't necessarily want just people just to sort of look at me and go, Oh, he's funny. Like I, I found, I find, I've always found writing material quite difficult. I think everyone does. And I was like, well, what's the purpose of this? Like, um, I'm, I'm, people already know who I am. People already might cast me in TV shows. Like, what am I saying that actually I think people should listen to? Uh, 
so it's yeah it's all very earnest and existential and uh i really um you know it's i I don't know (laughs) i I mean i won't ask you to name names but why i don't understand how or why anyone would say this is the wrong way to go about well i think it's it's uh it's just a debate it's like as a comedian your job is to make people to laugh you know i suppose and i think a lot of people go okay what's the funniest show you can do that's going to be the most inclusive that is going to bring audience along with it uh and just give them the most sheer entertainment value um and to be fair that's how i approached my first two shows i was like okay how can i be funny um but this show had a sort of dual purpose of like how can i be funny but also make people sort of think about this very weird cultural taboo which is kind of a a blind spot which people don't really interrogate that's affected me personally and you know, I, I'm really sort of proud and happy with how the show's ended. Yeah, up, you should but, be, man. Yeah, but um, yeah, it it, it you know it's it's a debate. I mean, I remember seeing Brett Goldstein's show about pornography. Yes, and um, Richard Gad's show, sort of Monkey See, Monkey Do, and they were both very sort of personally exposing and um, just sort of made me not not that you necessarily ever thought sexual abuse was a good thing. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they make you just reflect on stuff that actually you kind of pass over a little bit in your day-to-day life. And that was my aspiration. So I, I know, that's why Edinburgh's fantastic, obviously. It gives you kind of a a place where you can do uh, a show that's about whatever bad stuff happening uh, to you. I don't know. Oh, I, I've just waffled so much. I'm so, I, I, I get very... Uh, I'm not saying anything interesting. <laughs> Tom, you jerk it, mate. I can't can't believe what I'm hearing. If it was acceptable, it should be more acceptable on a podcast to applaud answers, because I can assure you I would do. Um, I imagine people must have, and people w- will be doing over the course of this t- tour, coming up to you to say, thanks, man. I've, 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 I've had this my whole life. I'm so glad that someone is talking about it. That's... Yeah, I, everyone, I get a lot of conversations about dicks. It's, 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 it's brilliant. I mean, like... I suppose um, my thought on circumcision as a uh, trend is that it it does um, exist uh, partly because of the taboo surround thing discussing it. Like people don't know that the like foreskin is the much like touch sensitive erogenous part of the penis. They don't know the like sexual impacts of it being removed because. why would you why would you talk about that stuff? It is just a bit <laughs> weird to get obsessively into it. And and luckily I think an environment where you can get obsessively into any subject is is comedy. Um and so I I get a lot of first hand stories of people's interactions with their own genitalia and I'm always really happy to hear it. I mean, some people have had foreskins that were like horrible and, and you know, and they got them cut off when they were older and they're much happier as a result of that. And like that's kinda of, great i just feel like the the thing with me is that it was uh done as a baby when i had no choice in it and it is still kind of uh acceptable culturally to for parents to choose to do that to their child um and it, it it's sort of like an invasion of uh, human rights essentially and and, you, and you're right like uh, uh there, there are people who feel that they can't really um express this stuff publicly because a lot of the times it would be a bigger problem for their parents between them um also they're often re- raised in religious cultures where there's a lot more pressure from their like extended family to say like i, I i'm lucky that i kind of was brought up in a bit of a religious vacuum uh i've also been given quite a lot of confidence by my parents to express myself and uh i'm in a job where you're allowed to talk about these base things and it's like ah he's kind of fine he's a comedian so i, I feel like actually i'm really well placed to be a kind of voice in this debate to be like i'm kind of annoyed this bit of my penis was cut off uh and i do feel like i've researched it over sort of 20 years of uh, (laughs) adolescent anger to now have quite a lot of the information at my fingertips to uh, say that there is no good reason to uh, to do it to a child for for non-medical uh basis you know um so if anyone wants to message me with uh thoughts about their penis i've heard them all but i'd love to hear more (laughs) I mean, this will sound this will sound odd out of context, but in a way, was this a comedically was this a good thing to happen to you? In so much as that, I personally believe that most comedians there would have been some sort of sadness in their childhood. Maybe it was a, a divorce, maybe you know, and so on and so on and so on. Do you think that was the thing that gave you the fun, the funny, if you like? 
Uh, I've absolutely no idea. I mean, there's a sort of funny thing about being obsessed with the circumcision is that uh, a lot of other men who sort of suffer the same trauma, they kind of like link every bad thing in their life that's happened to them being circumcised. Like, I didn't get that promotion because my foreskin was taken (laughs) off me, so I didn't have the confidence to go into the guy's office. And like, yeah, you can sort of link everything back. I I, I, I do think there is an innate humour in something happening to your penis <laughs> that you're a bit annoyed about that everyone's just like yeah it's normal but then loads of people haven't had it happen to them uh sure. there, there is a kind of comedy in that and and i um uh, i suppose you know if it hadn't happened i don't think i'd be able to make the best comedy show that i've made because there would be literally nothing interesting about me <laughs> like, <laughs> no i do think that is fair like i do think this is the most interesting thing that i could say and i think once i've done this show enough times i've got it as, that i'll just be like yeah that's my stand-up time i just i just there's nothing else here i'm i'm really my life is nice and i'm nothing you know i'm not it's just fine but that this sort of weird bizarre obsession that i seem to have which no one else seems to be happy to talk about publicly i'm like yeah i do a comedy show about that uh and I do think it's important like, because uh, I've met parents who've, who've watched the show and they go, to be fair, we didn't really think about it. We were thinking of circumcising our kid because the dad circumcised. And they're like, actually, that's kind of crazy. And yeah. it's just, I, I do feel like that is performing some sort of public service. So it gives me a kind of drive to keep performing it, which um, I suppose I didn't necessarily have with, with my other comedy. I just thought, oh, I'm getting paid to show off and comedy is a fun, like, privileged job to do, but... Why am I the one that should, people should listen to? What what am I saying that's interesting? And I do I do think this is, to be honest. I think it's worth listening to for an hour. Tour tickets are on sale. Have you, <laughs> have you ever let the mind wander though? Is there is there a, um, is there a possibility in a, a, a conversation opening up? You know where we know. Would you like to see change taking place? Think anything like that is possible? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the. In, in the question of sort of law, if a baby's a girl, you, you can't do it. And if a baby's a boy, you, you can. Uh, and that's sort of a, an indiscrepancy that is based on a gender discrimination. And the, the Equalities Act of 2010 says that we can't have laws that discriminate between gender. So there is essentially an imbalance in our current legal system. Uh, I don't personally believe that we should like ban male circumcision tomorrow because I think we have... Um, uh, obviously like now more than ever like a real problem of sort of demonizing religious communities sure uh and i feel like to do that would feel um it's like a an aggressive act to those people who who do it because they don't see it as a uh they see it as an act of love you know and i think um it 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 would do more harm than good however i do i would like to see us uh, as a sort of modern liberal a state which values human rights and people's rights to their bodily integrity, like we're already signed up to the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, which basically says everyone has a right to their own body. I, I would like to see steps being put in place to basically make the law fairer between the, the genders. Uh, and before I die, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'd like there to be a law, but I think there's so much work you have to do before you can even think about bringing in a law like that. And I think we have to be very careful. Like The change in circumcision has to come from within the religious communities that practice it. And I think if we're sort of looking at, you know, the Muslim or the Jewish faith and going, you need to stop doing that, it's just going to make them feel demonised and make them want to move to another country. And, like, I think the great thing about being British is we are really inclusive and we do have those values of tolerance. But I think there's just a, a value judgment we have to make where people are, they're not practising their own religion, they're forcing their religion on someone who's not born yet. And and there are voices from within those communities, the Jewish and Muslim communities, who are like me, they're really upset that this part of their body was taken off them without their consent. And, um, you know, laws are there to protect all of us from each other. And people like me aren't being protected currently. So it's, it's like a sticky situation. Uh, I think one thing I definitely like to campaign for is... Um, a sort of a license to be able to perform circumcisions because one of the problems with circumcisions is people doing them for religious reasons and doing them very badly and so people have like horror stories of having botched circumcisions they can't have sex they oh can't orgasm all this sort of thing yeah it's a uh, it's a really funny topic for a comedy show <laughs> yeah but um yeah so so i think what we definitely need is is a sort of a, a register because currently like if a penis is like unhealthy the only person who can operate it on it is a doctor but if it's healthy anyone can technically cut it up for religious reasons and that's just a mad thing we're in 2020 like we can't that's that's I not mean, yeah sure. so we need at least a license to perform circumcisions and i think people who are in the religious communities and out also agree on that like we need to start thinking of this as a it'd be hard medical, to disagree with that about, precisely yeah, yeah they, they want to see them done safely as well but i suppose uh, uh yeah i mean 
I don't know. My, my my only interest is to be a voice for people who are upset about being circumcised because most men are too embarrassed to say that publicly for obvious reasons. It's embarrassing. You're supposed to be proud of your genitals and be like, yeah, I got the biggest dick, it's called his dick. And I'm like, actually, I'm a bit annoyed mine got cut up for no reason. <laughs> how did it... How did it... <laughs> I don't, I'm not, are you supposed to say I've got the biggest dick? I don't know. That's what I'll be telling people. Yeah, a bit got cut off the end, but it's massive. That's the end of the show. Good night, thank you. <laughs> How did yours, given your... Did it come about because your your father is Jewish? Because I know your mother is not. Uh, well, so you're going to it in the show. Yeah, the reasons were pretty spurious. I wasn't done for religious reasons. I was basically done because... Uh, my mum had a parenting book that said that I should be the same as my dad to prevent any psychological damage going up, which obviously worked an absolute treat. <laughs> um, and so it came from your mum reading a parenting book? Yeah. It didn't, I mean, this, when you have a kid, I think you have loads of doctors like uh, just giving you loads of advice. And I, I think they had a sort of Jewish family doctor who just sort of did it out of politeness or something. And, and they just didn't really think about it. And my dad was like, well, I'm done. It didn't affect me. So I'm going to do it to my kid. And obviously me and my dad just clearly have slightly different personalities. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my mum also had a sort of aesthetic preference like she had a sort of like sex in the city conversation with her friends where I don't know they were just it's just like it's very bizarre like cultural subjectivity and obviously like the, the sort of hygiene argument or the aesthetic argument that you you hear quite a lot in our culture and it's it's seen it's deemed as an acceptable thing to say but you know that is used in other parts of the world as justifications for doing the same thing to girls like those same arguments that it looks nicer or it's kind of cleaner in some way and there's just no like basis for it obviously what looks nicer is, is a subjective like claim anyway and to say how you'd prefer your baby's genitals to look uh is just a kind of insane position to have in my opinion and i just think sort of cutting babies generally is a bad thing <laughs> I think you can say that. And it's like, yeah, you can, but then, you know, there are people who are like, no, nah, it's fine. So, I don't know. I, uh... It's amazing that you're, and I, I really mean this as a compliment, you're, 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 you're blazing a trail on a subject in the year 2020 that when you put it like that, feels so barbaric, it, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it, it's kind of, culturally, in our country at least, it kind of comes from the Victorian uh, sort of puritanical times when it was actually brought in as a kind of mainstream thing to cure or curb masturbation. Like, they thought that uh, sexual impulses um, basically resulted in illness, like having too much sexual energy because they were the Victorians and they didn't know anything. Uh, and so they started doing it uh, literally expressly to curb sexual pleasure and yeah. sexual desire and it, it does have that effect as well it's like incontrovertibly if you're removing sensory tissue from the penis uh, you're removing half the skin of the penis and it's the most densely innovated with nerve endings like the frenular delta that gets removed in every circumcision has basically got lots of things called Meisner's corpuscles which are like really fine touch nerve endings in your fingertips and your lips and it's kind of like the most refined sensory experience of the penis and so if you take it off you're arguably moving about half of the sensory capacity of it um, which obviously affects your sexual function and your sexual like pleasure and it just seems that that's like often ignored in the argument like uh i, I mean i'm kind of annoyed about that yeah and i think a lot of guys just they seemingly aren't or they don't want to express that they are or something and i'm like okay cool like uh, you do you bro like i'm really happy that you're happy with your penis but that is something that really infuriates me like my sexual experience has kind of been dialed or taken off me like my libido has been affected or I, I don't really know but i just think that's for no reason that's kind of crazy right and also there's i mean i'm pretty as i talk about in the show i'm pretty on top of all the studies and it, it's, it's like women have more difficulties reaching orgasm because it's like um uh, they have more friction basically during sets because the foreskin opera is like a lubricating function. Uh, and so, like, they report more pain when they have sex with a circumcised man. It all just makes sense logically when you think about it. Like, the bit of sort of sliding tissue that's supposed to have like a lubricating effect has been removed. And so. So, you're, you know, you're going into a football match with two of your best players rested, well, shall we say? Basically, yeah. You're, you're, missing, know, you're so, missing Xavi and Iniesta. Yeah, you've got to do a much longer warm up. You know what I mean? You've got, you've got to, <laughs> <laughs> He's got to have to get lucky. The, pre <laughs> and the training cones have got to stay out for that much longer. Precisely, yeah. <laughs> Staying out at half time or whatever. I don't know. And it's like, yeah, there's ways around it. But I just feel like this stuff isn't talked about. It's like incontrovertibly the case. Yeah. And it logically makes sense. Like a, a bit of your body has evolved for sexual pleasure. Like historically, the Greeks 
saw the foreskin as the most erogenous part of the the penis. And like historically, uh, religious people have, have said that the express purpose of circumcision is to cur- curb sexual pleasure because it helps you focus on the Lord or whatever, you know. And yeah, the Victorians <sighs> yeah. did it to stop people wanking. I'm like, I like wanking. I wish, I, why can't I wank like my friends, you know? <laughs> and... <laughs> It sounds really stupid and puerile, but I just do think there's quite a good point there. And I, I uh, again, not really anti-circumcision. I'm just a, a, against people doing it to babies without their say. If you become 18, you want to get a tattoo, you want to cut a bit of your body off. I'm like, yeah, go right ahead, mate. Right, I think in the in the US, it's a lot more common than over here. Yeah, it's the rates are falling slightly, but yeah, like I think it's like 60 percent or something are done at birth. Um, what, what, why is that then? Well, it's a long question. Again, it is slightly founded in this sort of puritanical notion. Um, of, uh, you know, curbing uh, sexual impulses. But um, I think oh, it's, it, ultimately the only association in the world that recommends circumcision um, as a sort of uh, non-theory, like a medically beneficial practice is the American Association of Pediatrics. All, all the ones around the rest of the world have come out in... Uh, sort of basically either saying there's no health benefits or coming out in express condemnation of the American Association. Um, and the people who are in charge of the American Association of Pediatrics report, um, they were of the Jewish faith and they have subsequently actually admitted that they basically did that more out of local cultural interest than necessarily like a medically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, uh, medical literature, um, on the health benefits of circumcision that has kind of been blown out of proportion. Uh, one, one of my things I do in the show and that I've been obsessed with my whole life is trying to find genuine health benefits for this thing because uh, as as not a medical practitioner or a scientist, like I, I try to learn as much as I could without having uh, the knowledge as such. And there's, you know, claims that it cures AIDS. Um, but the studies that it cures AIDS were done in sort of sub-Saharan Africa and the people that they... Uh, circumcised were also taught to use condoms and there's all these just like mad sort of um, scientific methodological indiscrepancies that ba- basically I think it boils down to like a, like a lot of human things once it becomes a homogenous thing that most people do everyone just keeps doing it without asking why and the reasons um, will be subsequently necess- sort of changed once uh, one reason has be- become found to be bad you know like they circumcision has been over history repeatedly said to be a cure for the big disease of the time and then when they subsequently realize it actually isn't like like mad stuff like epilepsy and they were like this is you do this and it'll cure it and then when the science gets better basically circumcision just sort of shifts onto another disease that they then say it cures um because it's i think the roots of it are in sort of a bizarre ritualistic sort of magic and like bodily sacrifice and human beings sort of we we need we like we like the idea that doing this thing in some way is medically beneficial for us and i feel like it's such such as a con a strong cultural signifier as well and it, and it has been um throughout multiple different uh civilizations like the, the aztecs and the pacific islanders the aborigines did it and i think it's it's to do with this idea that you know if you're in a rugby team or you're you're in university and yeah. you're 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 joining a team and they make you do something really humiliating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll make you like eat your own sick or lick yeah. those bums or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once you've gone through that, you're then more like part of the team. Uh, I think basically it's 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 like that. It's like if you're giving up a really important part of your genitalia or your sexual identity to be part of a group or a culture, you are then more wedded to that culture. Uh, and I, and I think that's why, uh, it, it becomes prevalent in a country and then it stays part of that country's identity. Uh, cause ultimately this stuff that I've become obsessed with, uh, like the medical benefits or the sexual Im- impacts, like y- you need like quite consistent long-term science to have any real assessment of what it does, especially when it happened to a man at such a young age, that's all they know. Um, they can't really evaluate the difference. Sure. And most people just don't have an interest in having a long conversation like I'm forcing you to have. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> I'm hanging off you every <laughs> word. I really am. <laughs> uh, and so that's why it stays. Because once it starts being done, it's really hard to communicate the reasons to stop doing it. Yeah. And I guess that's why 
I wanted to. Uh, as you say, like me and my dad have very different personalities. Most men, it happens to them and they're like, well, it's happened to me. What can I do about it? I'm not going to know any different. And I guess what I think is it's happened to me. That seems out of order. I quite want to stop it happening to other people, you know, uh, and I quite want to have these discussions. So people just think about it, because when you when you tell a kid about it, I remember at school vividly, we learned about circumcision and the the reaction in the class is of horror. Like if you've got a foreskin and someone says someone cut that bit of your body off, it's like saying someone cut your eyelid off or something. People are just like, oh my god, that is absolutely horrible. And that is the reaction that I think humans naturally have to this thing. Yes. And we have to sort of rationalise it subsequently with all this like medical or cultural or aesthetics. It's like, no, you're cutting a bit of a body off. And basically all I'm trying to do is, through my jokes, make people go back to that childish state when they're like, actually, that does seem mad. And my friend who did that to their kid, I think I might say, don't do it to your second kid because it seems harmful. We have to undo all the things that that have become the norm, don't we? So I am not of uh, Jewish background, but you just, oh, circumcision, yeah, it's just part of what they do. And therefore you never question it. You just go your whole life without actually, whereas what you're doing is a wonderful thing. You're, you're, you're challenging us all to, to think differently, to reassess uh, something that's important. I hope so. And I just, I just think that right now I've been raised in a sort of modern, liberal, Western value set where human rights are a thing. Like <laughs> after the Second World War or ever, we just decided that every human is kind of equal. Mm. Uh, we think that everyone should have a right to their own. Like if you're a Victorian and you're putting kids up chimneys, to be fair, that makes sense why you think you can cut some kid's dick up. Because you don't think that kid is valuable. But now we have kind of all collectively accepted that everyone has a right to their own body and not just that a right to experience as much pleasure as they can without hurting other people a right to express themselves sexually like these things are quite new ideas and circumcision is a really old idea which is in complete contradiction to it and i just what i wanted to do is be like let's let's big up this western liberal sex positive body positive tradition let's actually live by this and let's stop this archaic sort of I don't like to use the word barbaric because it's quite dismissive of those religions that practice it. I don't think it is that, but I think it's definitely sex negative. I think it's definitely like body negative, and I think it's definitely like sex and body negative. That's that's a really good that's a really good way of phrasing it. Yeah, it's it's so hard because I it, it, people like to, you know people like to say oh mutilation or sexual abuse. Yeah. It's like yeah, there's definitely a way you can interpret it as that, but the way these people are doing it, it's not that. They're just trying to. They want a sort of physical connection to their past, and I'm like, that that is cool actually, and I can understand if you grow up and you want that, deciding that for yourself, but you're just ignoring the tranche of people who are really furious the decision was taken off them, and I don't think, I mean, that's not what human rights are. Is a part of you really excited by the fact that you're embarking on this journey, and the end goal could actually be positive change? I, I, yeah, I did a sort of um, Radio 5 live debate a couple of weeks ago. It was the first time I actually talked about it on radio. And I, I was, like, massively energised after it. In a way, like, I'd done my first gig, to be Yeah, clear, wow. Like, the heart was racing. Yeah, and I just felt like, oh, this is sort of what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, wow, Tom, like, mate, that's that's powerful. <laughs> it's, it's just only because no one else is doing it. Like, I, and I do feel like, as I said before, because you can kind of talk about the puerile, you're allowed to express this stuff and also the vulnerable and like your story as like an yeah. artist slash comedian slash whatever, like a voice. Uh, and I do think it's good. I've always felt like objectively right about this. And I try and listen as much as I can to the other side. Like I, 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 I do understand people want to protect their cultural identity, but religions have always changed with the times, you know, and there's, there are different forms of like Islam and Judaism. And some Jews aren't actually, there's this thing called the Brit Shalom, which is basically you, you make the covenant with God, but you don't just do the cutting ceremony. Uh, and there are Muslims like, Muslims is never actually mentioned in the Quran. It's just done. It's not actually a religious impediment of Islam. So the, there are Muslims who starting to, you know, it's not do it. And I just feel like these religions, they don't have to have circumcision as part of them. They just don't. You can still be a fully practicing Jew or Muslim and just not cut your child and let them make that yes. decision when they're a bit older. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I am excited. I do get very wary when I get, you know, bogged down in the 
in the medical literature because obviously there are always people like oh but it makes stds better and you're like well you know if you did if you cut people's breasts off they wouldn't get breast cancer it just it just seems to be the wrong yeah. argument for me mm. it's like does it matter <laughs> if it slightly reduces this or that it's like look at the damage it's doing like anyway but yes ultimately I am... you wouldn't cut someone's foot off and say they'll never get another veruca <laughs> yeah exactly it is, it's, 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 it's a very similar thing and to be honest yeah i am i am excited to talk about it i arguably talk about it too much now because everyone's like what are you doing i'm like doing the show about this and they're like oh why is that a show i'm like let me tell you <laughs> and i've done it again on this podcast uh i'm very very thankful i do hope anyone has got to the end of this uh you know they, i i, I it, it is important to talk about and i can get a bit sort of um carried away but uh i just i just wish that you know my parents had had someone like this yapping away in their ear because to be honest, they they just they wouldn't have made the decision that they had, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and again, I I always stress I'm not sort of calling them out. I, I think people, you know, often see it as like a private issue that I got with my parents, and it really isn't. My issue is with the idea that society lets parents make that decision. In in our current legal system, the only time it goes to the court is if the two parents disagree. Like if a mum wants to circumcise and a dad doesn't, they go to court, and the court always rules in favour of the child because of the laws of our country. Like, yeah. <laughs> because of the human rights of that child but if both parents agree those laws of our country are circumvented essentially and the child gets circumcised and uh i mean there was a case recently where a guy got circumcised by mistake uh in hospital he had supposed to have some other procedure and he got 20 grand compensation and i'm like where's my 20 grand <laughs> Like, I've had longer without a fourth because I should get 50 grand. We should all be suing, you know? 20 grand per year since. I mean, exactly. You'd be, you'd be like, have, uh, have Mr. and Mrs. R seen the show? Yeah, yeah. So they saw it in Edinburgh and we cried quite a lot after it. And they saw it again on tour in Maidenhead. And they, they brought all their friends. And, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously very hard for them. I, I, I think another reason why I feel like I could do this show is I have such a strong relationship with them that... Um, we can sort of get past this. And I think, as I say, a big reason why people don't talk about this in the public domain is basically for shaming their parents because, like, it would reflect badly on them and their culture to be publicly saying, I'm upset about... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Being circumcised, I wish that decision hadn't been taken by my parents. Um, but they, 
they completely sort of sympathize with me and they really hear me. It's funny because my dad is the polar, is the, the archetypal example of a man who just doesn't give a shit about it, um, which is it's sort of beautiful. Because of a like, generational thing almost. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps I'm just sort of like a whinging millennial who wants everything that he doesn't have. Like I'm, I'm freely happy to admit that, but that is the time. That is what we're in now. Like we're all a bunch of whinging millennials and we should be bloody listened to, quite frankly. And uh, yeah, I mean, my dad just never thought about it. He's like, well, doesn't sex feel nice? I'm like, yes, it does, but, but it should feel nicer, dad. <laughs> And I think that's, it's great to have that as like a sounding board because that is ultimately what most men are like. And it's, 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 it's hard when you're putting these arguments forward and the majority of people are going, nah, shut up. Like, I'm not denying that's the case. Some people would be like, oh, these men are all repressed and they're denying they don't want to be a victim. They don't want to be seen as like something that something bad's happened to, so they just block it out. I'm like, no, I think most of these guys probably don't give a shit, actually. They're probably quite happy with it. Um, but there are just a, like a, a surprisingly large amount of men who are like me who you don't hear from because they're ashamed. Because a lot of people will be hum- humiliated. Suffering basically. in silence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I want to sort of suffer the humiliation for them. I want to be like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the weird guy who talks about his dick, but let's not ignore the fact that there are quite a lot of us and we should probably think about them next time. We... Well, it's, it is one of We're lucky that we live in a time where, you know, people like yourself, you know, we, we are trying to be as mindful and, and respectful of... Uh, the, the feelings and the lives of, of other people. I mean, that can, I know this, ter- you know, this term whinging millennial gets thrown about, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's a, it's a wonderful, lovely thing, isn't it? Well, I do think that, yeah, we, 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 we're sort of living in a time now where you are allowed to express your feelings. I guess what I've tried to do is express my feelings through an hour of jokes. So it doesn't get boring. <laughs> um, and hopefully more people will sort of enjoy listening to them and thinking about them. The, I mean, this is, the show is tea to green, huge laughs all the way through. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 that's very kind. <laughs> well, spe- <laughs> speaking of the penis and parents, you and I probably first... Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. We, we had a moment, of, the listener will be thinking, where's this going to go? Tom was on stage. So my... my ah! My family are from Leeds, uh, and I live in London, so it's it's rare that my folks see me do comedy, and you know that, which is fine. But I was at Edinburgh one year, crikey, what do you reckon? Seven years ago, maybe a even long eight. Time ago, yeah. Tom was on stage talking about. He asked someone in the audience, maybe the first time they masturbated, and a gentle, <laughs> very much a theme for my comedy for the last seven years. <laughs> gentleman on the front row said, "Was it something about? I was in the bath, and I just started to wash it a bit quicker." Yeah, exactly <laughs> you know that. that? Exactly and, that. And the laughter. Not just from the whole audience, but the laughter from Tom was so harsh and, and so prolonged that you almost had to... I mean, you were like on your haunches with laughter, but you almost had to stop the show for a few seconds because it was one of those great moments that you only get with live comedy in the room. It just... It was explosive. And, of course, that person was my dad. <laughs> oh, glorious. He was very proud of it. Oh, highlight <laughs> of his life. I mean, God he, really, that. he really was. But I think that, did that, that became a bit in itself, didn't it? I did do it? it for a bit, yeah. I had a period of asking. Someone else was like, um, they were like, you know that bit in the, you know when you, you put lipstick on your hand oh. to, to practice kissing? He was like, oh, it started going well, so I just, we just took it a step further. I was like, yeah, you get, you, you, you. well... Oh, maybe I'll start doing that again. So ask you, how do you start masturbating? Is there, That's is, my next show. Are there audience bits in the in this show? To be fair, uh, yeah. yeah as I, your crowd as work I, is as so I started good, doing more touring, I started going out at the start and just talking to them. I was yeah quite panicked when I first started the tour. Just wanted to do the show well. Uh, I'd never really done a tour before, but you know, as it is, I just sort of settled into it a little bit more. And it's such a such a privilege to go to a town, and they just seem to be like weirdly excited to see you. Because that you're on the TV show they like, and you have that sort of freedom. So I come out at the start and just talk to them a bit, and then Naz is my support act comes on after. And then... is Naz your support? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, listeners, that yeah. is a great night of comedy. Naz Waterloo <laughs> and Tom Rowe. I mean, that's, a, that's a beautiful double. Shouty middle class man. <laughs> and what made you? What made you want to do that? That gig. What made you want to do that first gig in the first place? Oh well, I. I it's very hard to pinpoint at this point. Like I, I, I feel like. I was just given such a level of confidence by my upbringing and my schooling. Uh, I did public speaking competitions at school. Uh, and I went around the world, basically, sort of debating people, but also doing 
like after dinner speeches or like impromptu speeches where you just make up a speech in five minutes. And it's essentially like a training ground for stand up. It's just the crowd was like rich parents and not drunken <laughs> idiots. Uh, and not so, jonglers. And yeah, yeah. But it was it was as sort of intimidating and more competitive, weirdly. Like yeah, I just bet, ended up yeah. debating with people who've now become like Canadian politicians and stuff. And it was Wow. I do think so in Canada and America they have such a culture of debating and public speaking as a thing. Like we were talking before recording about how eloquent NFL players are and they're like whereas we just don't have that as a as a thing. Like we're not encouraged to learn public speaking. And my school, which is bizarrely one of the few schools that actually took this up as a thing. So I, I really credit that with what I'm doing now. But I think I just left school and I was like, oh, how do I get that attention again? And I was like a bit of an attention seeking, you know, precocious person who was like, who liked making speeches and doing talking. And I just thought, Stan, I got handed a flyer outside of Ricky Gervais' benefit for some comedy competition called ComedyStars.tv, which was trying to be the new YouTube. As you can tell, it failed. I remember uh, ComedyStars.tv. Like, and they paid for me to go to Edinburgh for the final of this wow. competition. I say I got to the final. You could get to the final by basically you put a clip up and then you'd have to text a number to vote. Obviously, I just voted for myself like 40 times. And then I got in the final. It's <laughs> compared by Simon Amstel, who oh absolutely ripped the entire competition to shreds. He was like... He said something like, I assume you're all coming here expecting to see some comedy stars. <laughs> so, oh sorry to disappoint you. And then I just sort of kept doing it. And I, I do think that... We, we, I, were I, you I, acting I, by then? I did some plays at university. I always had a sort of slight aspiration to be in a sitcom, but I never really thought it would necessarily happen. I did, you know, I, I did work hard. Like, you know, you got to go to Yeovil for 20 quid. And of course. Like, I definitely, when I was at university studying philosophy, I was mainly getting cars to Doncaster and yeah. talking to people who didn't really want to listen to me. Uh, so I do feel... But you're like often doing it for no, for no money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's... it's I, 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 do, I do think I did that bit, which everyone has to do. Um, you got to dine a restaurant yeah. in the middle of nowhere... While people are trying to eat the meal for no, yeah. for no money. When my first gig was like, yeah. You know, was, my first paid gig was in a pizza restaurant. Rob Deering was headlining. It was like 40 quid or something. And yeah. afterwards, I went to Rob Deering. It was such a stupid... I was like, have you got any advice? Oh, Tom, mate, I did this. <laughs> I can so relate. And he just looked at me like, what are you talking... You don't know what you're doing, do you? There isn't... I can't give you any advice, mate. Just do comedy. Like, that's basically what he said. I was like, yeah, of course that's the advice. Just keep doing it. But at the time, you think, oh, he can tell me how to do this <laughs> there's no answer i did that with every gig because i thought there was because tom mate i'm i'm with you 100 because i would ask that question as if someone was gonna take out a parchment oh, oh yeah. you mustn't show this to anyone else but i have page the of my secret book. of comedy yeah. right here is the so formula dumb. so done oh I, did, I i mean i i uh i think i thanked him I, I I emailed Tim Vine and was asking loads of questions, and he he, he was he had loads of advice, like genuinely. But what it ultimately came down to, I have thanked him. But what it ultimately came down to was j- just do as many gigs as you can, and yeah. that that is it, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that's what I tell everyone. Because nothing, is the answer. nothing can. Be, I think it's the exact words. You can't were. make anyone else funny. Like the only way yeah. that they can get funny is they're like a. They're like a rock, aren't they? And every gig you do, you're getting slightly chiselled and filed down into the statue that is your comic sort of form, essentially. And there's the no shortcut, way... unfortunately. No. There's no there's no Michelangelo to come and just make it for you and go, there you, there go. you go. You only you only do it by the horrible chipping away at the fleshy exterior that is your happiness. <laughs> 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 I do, but there is something to that as well. Like I, I find it so brutal. It's such a sort of like. There's a reason why you say you're like killing. It's like a you, you are at the cold face to an extent. I know it's like a nice job and it's talking, but it is also just constant like personal rejection. And so I, what I like about the show that I'm currently doing is I yeah. feel like there is a kind of a core purpose to it beyond just you finding me funny. It's like well, even if you did think it wasn't funny, at least I said a few things to you that I think it's good for you to know. You know. And I think that kind of gives it a confidence that I've never actually had before, which hopefully actually makes it funny. Matt, may I ask, um, do you ever take the time out to, to smell the roses with not just one hit sitcom, but, but two such huge successes that have run for so many years? You know, a lot of, uh, I mean, I imagine every comedian, and I include myself, has, has mentally, you know, they, they've, they've dreamt, oh gosh, can you imagine being in a sitcom? So, you know, many people... You know, we'll never be in one. If you if you're in one, you've been lucky. Um, how wonderful it is that, you, that to have two like that is incredible. But this is sort of 
I know, God, I really hope I don't sound lamentable, but uh, like this is kind of the answer to the question that you asked at the start as to why I'm doing this show now, because I do feel like being in a sitcom was always my sort of dream. I remember watching Spaced and just thinking, like, it was something about that show. You couldn't so believe weird. I was how like, good it was, could you? When it... I, I was a kid, though. I didn't actually know how good it was. Right. I was just watching it going, this is so weird. Like, I've never seen anything or met anyone who talks like this and is so off-kilter and so entertaining. I'm like, I would love to be in something like that. And as soon as I got in Friday Night Dinner, I was like, to be fair, I've actually sort of, like, lived my dream here. Like, I and I've sort of fully recognised that that is the biggest goal I've ever really had and I got it almost straight away. And it's never really left me, like, how privileged I am to be in a sitcom or two sitcoms that are just written so brilliantly. Um, and that's what I mean. It does sound a bit lamentable. You're like, you've yeah, got, I've sort of lived my dream. But you've got the skills to pay the bills. I hope you know that. It's not, you know... Um, well, I, p- I appreciate that. If you go back to Iniesta, Iniesta was playing week in, week out for Barcelona because he was brilliant. That's, it's not, well, you know... I mean, I couldn't take... I'm not Iniesta at all. No. Who could I be? I'd, uh i take a Sesk. i take Sesk. Take Sesk, mate. Sesk will be all right. He didn't quite make it at Barca, but I mean, <laughs> he was doing all right there when he was on the bench when they won quite a lot of league titles. So, I mean, regardless, my point is. <laughs> no, but I was, of... I was thinking, I, was, I got all misty eyed, you know, Sesk at Arsenal and then, that, you know, the, the, oh, no, yeah, the spell no, at, not, at Chelsea I'm not, as well. I'm Denielson at Arsenal, I think. Stop I was that. Like, I was... <laughs> well, let's stick with, we're going to stick with Sesk. Sesk, like, Sesk is an icon. I, and I recognise, like, there's so few people who get to say that they live their dream. I like and I'm I was basically grappling for like well what can I do that I feel is giving a service to the world how can I expose myself to basically how can I give back to this world that has given me quite a lot I, it sounds really earnest and pathetic but I do every day I'm I'm very I'm very thankful that I got in those shows and they're written so brilliantly and also they've just been so like welcomed by the public and like I know how lucky I've been and I do think that this is the best thing I can come up with to try and uh, sacrifice my own sort of, uh, I don't know, (laughs) my own pride to try and make the world a bit better. I mean, it's so ridiculously earnest and highfalutin, but uh, that is the case. It's not. You're talking to the most earnest man in the world. (laughs) I get teased for my earnestness. Yeah, sure, yeah, 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 um, yeah. (laughs) Give you a bit back. (laughs) Thanks very much. Is is the plan for both shows, as far as you're concerned, just to run and run and run? Well, it's not up to me. I'm always the last to find out. Uh, you know what? As a funny you say that, as a as a as a guider's TV warm up, there've been shows. This is absolutely true. Where I have found out about a show coming back before the host of the show. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah you're privy. Yeah. So I I've texted yeah, you know like I've texted a host to say great news about series three, yeah. and they've texted back, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I I try every time it the series ends. I'm always like, okay, that's I just try and say that it's over now. So it's every time it's a nice surprise if it keeps going. I mean, I'd love to be. As I say, I'm really privileged and I'm like living my dream. And I also just love like being part of a team of like brilliant people. It's just, it's like the best thing to feel like you're a part of something when you look at the other actors and you're like, you're amazing. And the writing, you're like, you're just so brilliant. To be a part of that is something I cherish and I will cherish forever. Like once, once they've all gone. Did, did you now? We, we all know lots of stories of people who get a part, and, and our listeners will know lots of stories about people who get a part in a movie or get a part in a TV show and become a bit of a dickhead, for want of a better <laughs> word. Did now I've I've chatted with your dad and he he was such a believer in the crew. He told a lovely emotional story about that I think about a lot about Jimmy Greaves. Uh, I'll I'll share it very quickly. Uh, a top producer on Saint and Greaves, he had been with the show for years and years and years, was leaving and it was their retirement due. Jimmy Greaves got up and gave this speech um, and said, working on this show as part of this big team um, is 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 the highlight of my career. And someone shouted out something like, what about Spurs? And Jimmy, I'm nearly crying even, I won't even know, you don't tell me. Jimmy Greaves doubled down and he says, as I say, working on this show has been the highlight of my career. So mm. I know that teamwork and the importance of being part of a team and respecting the team is something that your, your dad knows all about. Do you, do you think that helped you in that regard? I, I do think... God, mate, I went full fucking... Full Kinnock 85 on that one. <laughs> That's three years before I was born, but I guess that means it was quite sort of long-winded and earnest. <laughs> Yes. Which is just, I mean, that's standard gill. I just say full gill. <laughs> Matt Ford, it didn't make me because it was good fun, but Fordy uh, showed me this speech and it say, it's Neil Kinnock, uh, 1985, and on YouTube it is saved simply as 
that speech. That speech. It's incre- I'll send it to you. It's incredible. Yeah, man. Oh, I look forward to it. Uh, but did, but did that? Did, do you think that helped? I would say having my father as like uh, an archetype for a working man uh, or an example of a working man in my life definitely has sort of um, rubbed off on me. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I think I was a prick before I got on TV, to be fair. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I've done yet. <laughs> but like, I do think I love I love working in a in a team environment. And I think uh, my dad has always, um, when I've been on on set with him, uh, he he does he does inspire a lot of respect. I think, and that's something I've always aspired towards. Like it, yeah. obviously doing the jobs we do, like you you go in like any studio, any new TV show I go on, there'd always be like one camera guy, one producer come up to me. So I worked with your dad twenty years ago. He's the nicest guy, and it's like that is really inspiring so to just good, try man. and try and be a person. Like I, I, I'm not sure I'm ever going to garner the level of respect that he has, but I do, I do want people to go. I work with that person. He was quite nice actually, and he cared about his job, and he did the best that he could. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess I, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily in Dad's uh, shadow or, or trying to act differently because of what people know of him. But I do think he is a sort of paragon of um, workplace virtue. I'm not saying that because he's about to get exposed as some sort of sex offender. <laughs> Before you said Paragon of Virtue, I was thinking, but I swear, I, I, I could have written down YouTube... Paragon of Virtue there. Absolutely. When YouTube was kicking off, it's like all of it, you just think, oh, no, he's not going to be one of them, is he? He's not going to be one of these guys who are going to get brought down. He said something bad to a secretary. But no, luckily, he's still, he's still going. Was, I, I, I'm trying to get him. To, like, how do you get him an OBE or whatever? Well, every year it comes out, and these well, people back, getting. It, it was wonderful. You've got to get nominated for something. He should. He should get one of them, shouldn't he? I was going to say, how's it work? But it's wonderful. Uh, I love that you think I know the answer. I don't know. Well, but, I'm not really aware of all these people. It's wonderful that um, with Amazon Prime and the football, it was so great. I think I, tw- I did tweet this didn't I? It was so great to see uh, your dad bo- back on there bossing. The box. I mean, that, that that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It was lovely to see him trending on Twitter. I don't think I don't think was... Jim Rosenthal's Zenith was really a little bit pre-Twitter, so to, it was a very sort of modern victory for the Rosenthal family. And, and the, everyone tweeted your love as well. It was like it was just like the nineties, like about ringing. Yeah, I think. I mean, it did mean it mean it meant a lot to us as a family to see because obviously when you go on Twitter oh, as well, Tom, normally if you search someone's name. It's just like loads of abuse. working in comedy. You're used to hear these brilliant comedians going like, "Ah, oh, crap! I hate that guy. I hate that guy." And it was you searched Dad's name. There was just so much positivity. Like, is this it still is wonderful. Twitter? How is this is amazing <laughs> to see? It was. It was like that. Where it was. The trolls. Like, oh, even the even the trolls would have been like, like God, right, "God damn it, Jim <laughs> Rosen." That was it. Was it was lovely? I must say, I think one thing you and I there's a reason why the likes of you. This is now this in itself is is an arrogant thing to say because I'm talking about self-deprecation but i think a lot of the stand-ups we we have as pals the, the self-deprecation uh i mean with you it it will be coming into it will be spilling out of the speakers actually. but no i mean <laughs> even you've been self-deprecating about yeah, the self about, yeah. about the self-deprecation has that always been the way i take it um i guess i don't know i, I don't think when i was 17 i was self-deprecating enough i don't know really, really? I, don't, I, I just don't know i just very I'm very conscious it's a fine the podcast line, isn't it, format. Between like, you, it, it, like what? Ah, oh, I've got. A, you're listening. Like you could be having a conversation with anyone. You've been reading any book in the world. You're choosing this. Like I'm just very <laughs> racked with the idea that oh, I've got to give you information. I've got to say something <laughs> worthwhile. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing anything? It's Tolstoy. What are you doing? Just reading the news, talking to, to your mum. Find your mum. When you said there's Tolstoy, I nearly, I nearly, I nearly said, and we've got no. I'm not going I'm I'm to edit out. I'm going to edit out the ad lib that I nearly said. Well, before we go, may I ask, uh, what what do you do for balance when you're not when you're not writing, performing stand up, when you're not acting in hit, hit TV shows? What, what do you do for balance? How to watch this? Because like I, I wouldn't say uh, I've got that great a balance. I sleep a lot. I really think sleep is very really? underrated. Yeah, I've got a very go on. Sort of lazy what are we talking? Family. Well, sort of like 10, 11, I can definitely... If I was just left to my own devices... 10, I, 11 hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I just... There's something on my dad's family. A lot of his sisters are just like sleep, what, heroic sleepers. heroic sleepers. Um, but the, the, the actual answer... Uh, I, I've got... I've, I've stuck, I do this thing called craniosacral therapy, right? Which is so great for me personally. You don't have it with a girl called Erica, do you? Uh, I don't. I think I've had this for a feature in Balance, you know. Really? Yeah. I, I, I go to a man called Simon Baker, 
who I right. recommend wholeheartedly out of the East End of London. Oh, and what, um, can you share a but, bit about what but, it is and what the benefits the, the, are? The, the, the thing is, because, yeah, I sleep a lot. I don't think I sleep very well. I think I'm quite wired generally, uh, quite so anxious and neurotic. Uh, and when I have this treatment, which I just went to initially for a laugh, I was like, this is a weird thing. It basically puts you into a very deep sleep. And then for literally like months afterwards, I feel like my sleep is more restorative. I feel like I've got more energy. I feel like I'm more creative. Um, and I feel like I'm sort of more slightly at peace. Apparently it's supposed to balance your, the two nervous systems, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic or whatever, like but your, your fight or flight mode is too activated. Yes. Mine is. And apparently it's quite successful for people who have quite troubled births. I think I was a forceps birth or whatever. And that sort of sets you as being a quite sort of wired sets the person. tone for life. And I think people, if they see my work, they'd be like, this guy's quite wired. He's, that's his thing. He's sort of wired and sort of me, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm so shit. I'm so rubbish. Me, that guy. So I just kind of need something to balance me out. However, the thing, the thing with my circumcision, show is it's so based in like medical research and i've rigorously looked at all of the like pros and cons of, of, of like the medical benefits the posing medical benefits the methodological studies and if you google craniosacral therapy there's like yeah there's no studies it's all bullshit like that's basically there's just no one who's like who who says there's any real provable medical benefits to it but anecdotally as someone who has it i go there this geezer puts his, his hands on my head i go in like a really deep sleep after yeah. like a minute and and then I feel better for like so you go, you go under within a minute just from yeah, him yeah yeah like it, I mean maybe like five if I've had a coffee beforehand it doesn't work as well you basically have to be slightly relaxed but I've sent some That's my I've sent my friends there and they're like yeah I just sort of lay there and thought a few weird thoughts and then got up didn't feel anything so like it really works very much for That's me and not some people but yeah I think it allows me to get much better sleep and it's just a sort of time. Where it's kind of like someone else does ten hours of yoga on you or something, I and mean, I just feel really like renewed. Um, and yeah, I think energy levels is is the one thing that I struggle with the most. Like when I work a lot, touring, man. Oh my god, I couldn't believe how tiring it was. Yeah, and I just everything's grey, and I'm like, oh, I really struggle to get my energy up for on stage, and then you just drop bananas. And, and well, I know you're a banana fan. Yeah, <laughs> I eat bananas. But yeah, so anything that can just like give me a bit of energy and I just, this thing, which is apparently, according to Google, absolute hokum, is very effective for me. Good for so, you. Yeah, exactly. And then Arsenal as well? Arsenal don't make me feel better. <laughs> I mean, I go there. Uh, actually, it is quite fun at the moment. But um, yeah, I suppose I, I, I do go to the gym, blah, blah, blah. Try and play sport, although I snap my knee too many times now, so I can't, I can't really do that. Started taking up golf, actually. Walking around your golf, mate. I was I was single figures as a teenager. Really? Yeah. I've not played since the girls were born. I've not yeah. played for four and a half years. Yeah. I got when I was when I was sixteen years old. I was off eight, and I was I'm not I'm not I'm not a big guy, but I was teeny tiny as a teenager. Mm. Uh, teeny, I've not played for eight. I was so I was so yeah. tiny. Still growing at university. Uh, so, you, well, you think you'd be good still? It took me a few holes to chisel off the... No, no, I don't get annoyed. I, I, I played remember for playing when I was a teenager nice. and I used to get so annoyed that wasn't amazing. Used but... to, as a teenager, I was a, cl- oh, mate, I was a club thrower as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm sort of quite happy at the idea that I'm bad at it. I just sort of find a little bit of joy and peace walking around. Oh, maybe I should get back into it. It's just the hours in it's, it's tricky. Because if I work... Yeah. All, if I w- You've got a family. I've got, I've got nothing. Yeah, because if I... Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be with the girls on a Saturday than... Yeah. Being a bit shit at golf, ultimately, I think. Yeah, I, all I've got to do, I've just got to read like a few sort of papers on circumcision. That's all. That's my life. Have you been approached um, to be a professional golfer to, by Tiger? No. Have you been approached <laughs> to make a documentary about this? Uh, I'm not being approached. I'm trying to approach people. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I do think that there is something there. Definitely. Uh, I quite, I've got. A quite, I really want to go to like Tel Aviv and do the show and just see what happens. <laughs> uh, and obviously, there's. A lot of places in America that are quite militantly pro-circumcision where it could be quite funny to do jokes about how bad it is. You could film a special here. Yeah. Filming in Tel Aviv and sort of like jump between, you know, yeah. jump between the two for the reactions. Riyadh or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, there's definitely a few ideas about uh, for like a, a factual thing. And again, that would be like an exciting new way of trying to disseminate the information in an entertaining way. So um, for, so for but, the tour show, where, where can we buy tickets? Ah, oh, tomrosenthal.net. Slash dates, I think, if you can't work out the dates button on the website, but I'm sure you're smart enough to listen. It's basically all the stuff that I've spouted here, but with some humour. <laughs> a lot more shouting. And a PowerPoint. Well, there's a great... I, I can't talk about it because I'm going to spoil a gag. But yes, you're being for a treat. Tommy's one of the very best. Um, and it's uh, it, it's a wonderful show. And what is great is... And I'm repeating what I said earlier, because it's so personal. 
and there's such passion there. And it's not, you know, it'd be the easiest thing in the world for you to be doing, huh, what's the deal with running out of milk and putting the empty bottle back in the fridge? But it's not, you know, it's so not that. You think so, but I, I, I don't buy milk, you know? What? I, 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 this is what I find difficult. Go on. I just, well, I'm, A, I'm sort of dairy-free. Yes. But I, I, find, I find it I very that. difficult to do a sort of accessible sort of material. I feel like it would be disingenuous because actually my life is quite cosseted. I just get to live a real all the time. You know, so I think maybe the only comedy that I can do is about my penis. <laughs> uh, Tom, I can't thank you enough. That was that was awesome. Thanks, man. Yes, well, uh, thank you for listening. I hope you deemed some value in all of that matter. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I apologise if you didn't. Have a nice life. Goodbye. <laughs> Cheers, Tom. That was great, man. Huge thanks and all the very best. Tom Rosenthal. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show, please tweet, spread the word. It's, it's the needy section of the show. <laughs> Uh, we are at Balance LDN. I am at James Gill Comedy. Uh, oh, new issue of the magazine out Monday week. Look out for that. Uh, huge thanks to Tom. Oh, five star review, positive write up. My God, it helps like you wouldn't believe. Um, huge thanks as always. We're very grateful. If this is your first visit to the Balance podcast, check out that back catalogue. Henry Cavill, Patricia Arquette. Regina King, Ricky Gervais, Romesh Ranganathan, Lee Mack, many, many, many more. Uh, And of course, lovely Tom Rosenthal. Uh, Have a great weekend. Thank you as always. Take care. I've been James Gill. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.